What's going on? Yerks here. Welcome to another episode of Yerks Talks. How we doing? December 7th. It is a Monday. Hope everybody had a solid weekend. I was doing some Christmas stuff, helping my mom with the decoration. She was trying to find a uh, topper for our Christmas tree, and we eventually found one. That was such a pain in the ass to put up. It was awful. because So we have a fake tree, which I'm assuming most people have now. The hassle with the real tree is just, it's just not, it's not worth it anymore. If you have a traditional tree, like an actual tree that you went out to go buy and then put into your house, like kudos to you. I've, I don't know when we stopped doing that. I think my dad stopped doing that when I was still in maybe middle school or high school. And my mom stopped, I think, when we were in when I was like last year in high school. So it's been it's been several years now since we've had an actual real tree. There's so many like crazy stories with the real trees, too. Like, oh, my gosh, there was one year. At my mom's house where we, uh, my stepdad wanted like a flocked tree. For those of you who don't know what that is, that's where they put on the fake snow. Oh my God. And so trying to get that home was just such a pain in the ass. And then cleaning up that year after, you know, taking the tree out, you know, maybe like early January. Oh my God. The flock stuff just got everywhere. It was disgusting. So yeah, don't flock your tree. It, you know, it's, it, ah, it's just so bad. So, yeah, anyways, it's a lot easier now. You got the fake tree. It's got lights already on it. It's got, you know, kind of glitter stuff already on it. You just got to put the ornaments on. And then the topper, which, yeah, so it just wouldn't stay. The, the tree wasn't built to where they have, I don't know, a branch that's sticking up that you can put a topper on. So I had to basically, like, manhandle the topper on top. And so right now it's sitting there. I'm just hoping that it doesn't move and it looks really good. But yeah, I was helping out with that. I thought that I was going to have to fix the, fix the lights that I hung up uh, last week because we had crazy winds. Um, I'm in San Diego, California. Crazy winds last week. Uh, like this, I don't know if it was like the Santa Ana winds. Uh, I don't know if they were because it was really cold. So I, it might have been. I'm not really sure. But people lost power. We didn't. I had a couple of buddies, or I had a friend that lost power. And it was so unfortunate where he didn't have power. But then a block away, they had power. So it just was, it just pissed them off. It was hilarious. I had some family friends had to come over uh, to work because they didn't have any power. It was just a bonkers uh, week last week. And then I was also dealing with some, dealing with a cough and a sore throat. And so, you know, to, uh, you know today, we don't have any of the issues, right? It's going to be a solid Monday episode. We're going to recap all the week 13 action in the NFL. It was another great weekend in football. We have only four weeks left now. I'm so sad. <laughs> it's It goes by too quick, man. It really does. But I'm going to talk about why it was one of my favorite weeks of the year. Then we have two games to preview today. We got one in the afternoon and then the Monday Night Football game. So we'll get into those. I would be remiss if I didn't plug the social media. So you can follow me on Twitter at John Yerkes for that. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at Yerkes Talks. You can also... Follow on Spotify and subscribe to Apple Podcast. All right, without any further ado, let's get into it. So, the reason I enjoyed this week's football game so much is because it reaffirmed this idea that I've always had, and it's been circled around. You know, it wasn't my idea; I didn't come up with it. But I, you know, I've read it, and you, you see it all the time. All the announcers talk about. It. Anybody who watches football, you know, they say it. It's a term that's used. It's a term that's used constantly, excuse me, and that's any given Sunday. And that's probably the best way I could sum up this weekend. Any given Sunday, anybody can beat anybody. If you don't show up to play or you're looking ahead, you know, looking down the road maybe to playoffs or you're not taking your opponent seriously based on the record or whatever it is, if you under, you know, whatever the circumstance, you could lose the game or you get blown out you can get embarrassed and so that's exactly what happened to a few teams this weekend that's what happened you know in a lot of the games so yeah that uh, was a great weekend for me i it was just a solid weekend of games you know good play all the way around and then yeah any given sunday anybody can beat anybody 
Speaking of getting embarrassed, I have to start here. I got to get this out of the way. Lions beat the Bears 34-20 in Chicago. Okay, so after today, I'm going to keep the Bears talk to a minimum. I'm done talking about the Bears in depth. Can't do it anymore. I am not going to waste time and energy doing it, all right? They stink. After today, that's it, all right? I'm going to try as best as I can to not talk about them as much. So let's get to this game. Say what you want about the Bears' defense, all right? They were bad. They allowed five touchdowns from Detroit. Stafford had 400 yards passing. This is why I like Matt Stafford so much. He was wheeling and dealing in this one. I told you last week that the Bears' defense was done for the year, all right? The offense against Green Bay couldn't do anything. Bears, you know, all year they've been getting back up and getting knocked down. Uh, and they were they were done. They threw in the towel last week. So I expected them not to look that sharp heading into this game. Still, though, the Bears had a chance. It was 30-27 to 27 late. They were up three. A little over two minutes left. All they need is a first down to win the game. That's it. They need a first down. All right, it's third and four, and they pass it, which is fine. I don't hate that they're going to pass it there. I like being aggressive. I think that the play call that I had in mind was you give Trubisky an option to run, like a run-pass option, right? Maybe you roll him out, and if it's there, then throw it. If it's not, just try to pick up the first with your legs. Well, they didn't run that. They put him up in shotgun and, you know, they set him back to pass. And the worst thing happens, of course, he fumbles. He gets sacked and he gets and he fumbles. Lions recover. So now they have first and goal and they get into the end zone. Now it's 34 to, 34 to 30 and it's over. There's no way the Bears are scoring a touchdown, you know, two-minute drill with one timeout left. Absolutely not. There's no way it's going to happen. So, yeah, the game's over there, and the Lions win. Yes, the defense was bad, all right? There's no excuse. They allowed the Lions to score five touchdowns. That's insane, okay? It's the worst game they've played all year. But, I mean, the one time that they need help from their offense late in the game, the one time, all they need is a first down to win the game, and they can't do it. And then, worse than that, they turn the ball over. There's no yin-yang here. There's no bounce. It's all yang. It's all defense. That's why after the Packer game, like I was saying, they they ran out of hope. There's no more hope on that Bears defense. All right, say what again? Like they were they were shit in this one. They were awful. I like I'm the first to admit that. Like I, it was really frustrating watching this Bears defense. But again, I I don't blame them for this. I I, I can't I can't blame them for this because they're not going to be perfect every every time out. Look at the Chiefs defense. Their defense is really good, but twice this year, they've been terrible against the Raiders. So, I mean, you know, the Bears defense has been dominant all year for the, the past, like, several seasons now. They've been dominant, and the one game where they, they don't show up to play, and they, you know, they, they need some help from their offense, and, you know, granted, the offense was scoring a lot of points. They just, at end of the game, game's on the line. They need a first down. They can't do it. Worse than that, they turned the ball over. Here's a crazy stat about this Bears offense and Matt Nagy, the the mastermind, you know, the 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 genius from Kansas City, you know, under the Andy Reid coaching tree. He's just such a great offensive mind, and you know, he can score so many points. Well, you want to take a guess at how many points the Bears have scored in the third quarter this year? The third quarter alone. Any guesses? Would would you think maybe like oh maybe like you know forty points in the third quarter maybe like thirty something like that? No, seven. I'm gonna say that again. The entire year for Chicago and the Bears, they played third. They played twelve games now. Week thirteen. Twelve games. The entire year in the third quarter, the Bears have only scored seven points. There was a touchdown in week six. That is it. Every other third quarter this year, all the other 11 games, they've thrown up a bagel in the third quarter. 
I mean, what the hell is that? They are too talented on offense. Plethora of talent on that side of the ball. You got David Montgomery, who is just outstanding. These past couple weeks, you've really been able to see the type of running back he is without an offensive line. He has to just make everybody miss constantly. He's bro- I think he's broken the most tackles this year. He's outstanding. You got Allen Robinson, solid wide receiver, number one. You got Anthony Miller, solid number two. He made a great, a lot of plays um, on that last, um, second to last drive the Bears had. You have the rookie, Mooney, who's been, who's shown flashes, who should have about five or six touchdowns this year if somebody could get him the ball when he's running deep. I don't understand. And they, they can't consistently move the ball and score in the third quarter. It's like, Jesus Christ, I don't understand what's going on. So, yeah, blame the defense if you want for this game. That's fine. But the offense, the one game that they're actually able to move the ball, they can't do it late, and they end up losing. Against the Lions team, mind you, that fired their head coach and GM. So you got interim head coach now in there, and he ends up getting the win. It's absurd, man. I don't get it. I, I It's such a bummer. Last thing I'm going to touch on here, I am so glad that the Bears are playing that the, that the Bears are paying Jimmy Graham eight million dollars a year just to put on a jersey. What does he do out there? He can't block. He he only catches the ball in the red zone. Maybe. I I don't get. He has the best agent in the world. I I don't know how teams still pay him money. He shouldn't have gotten a contract after he left the Saints. And then he left the Saints to sign with Seattle. After that, he should have been out of the league. The fact that this bum gets, we signed him to a two-year, $16 million deal, and he has done jack shit for this team. It's horrendous. And then we, and then to top it all off, we draft a rookie tight end, Cole Komet, who scored last, or who scored yesterday, and he, he's coming into his own. He looks great. He, he already looks way better. He's doing a way more than Jimmy Graham is. Oh, it's just, it's, it's, it's absurd. It's so ridiculous. But yeah, that's it. Okay, that's the last Bears rant of the year. I'm done. I'm going to try my hardest. Maybe it's not a, <laughs> it's like a 90% chance I'm done. There might be a 10% chance that I talk about them again. But yeah, man, bad news, Bears. Oh, it's horrendous. I, I don't know. Oh, it's, it's just awful. I, I, if they had just gotten rid of Trubisky last year, and drafted a quarterback and not tried to cover things up with foals and not try to do stupid moves like bring in Jimmy Graham for whatever reason or trade for Robert Quinn. And that's been a bust, by the way, the defensive end. He's had games where he's been okay, but overall that was a terrible move. If they had just been honest about the situation we wouldn't have been here because Trubisky probably should have just been the starter all year instead we waste money and capital to bring in Foles to try to like cover things up quickly and it didn't work it completely backfired and now we're in just an awful situation I don't know how you fix this I think he got a clean house I really do I think Nagy's got to go I think Ryan Pace has got to go obviously Trubisky and Foles have to leave and we just start over I don't know what we're gonna do though. Again, we've wasted so much capital. We traded up for Trubisky, so we're we're you know we're damaged from that. So I got no idea what's going on here. But oh, so frustrating, awful. All right, let's move on. The Saints—they beat the Falcons twenty-one to sixteen. They are now eight and zero with a backup quarterback. God, I wish the Bears could just win with their starting quarterback. Uh, but yeah, 8-0 now without Drew Brees. So just a testament to Sean pa- Sean Payton and that coaching staff. They do a great job there. Uh, they, they He got a lot of flack for starting Taysom Hill over Jameis Winston. But guess what? He, you know, long-term Taysom Hill, he knew wasn't going to be the answer. Uh, he All he has to do is just win these three, three, four games until Drew Brees comes back. And he thought that Hill was the best guy to do it. And it's worked out for them. The defense has also been playing great for the Saints. They're really coming into their own. Uh, Demario Davis, their linebacker, he was a stud yesterday, along with Cameron Jordan, who's really picked it up. Atlanta, though, still had a chance in this one. I don't, I don't know what's up with Atlanta. Uh, this is another team that just has so much talent, and they just have such a hard time scoring in the red zone. I don't get it. Whenever they get there, 20 yards and in, they just self-implode. It's just awful to watch. There's been a lot of talk this year about their kicker. Young Way Koo is who's been has had an awesome season. He's got 
you can maybe say he's been comeback player of the year because he really he bounced around his uh, with the Chargers. Right, he was there for a little bit, and then he was with Atlanta last year. It kind of struggled this year. He's only missed one kick. Uh, it's bad though when you're talking about the kicker, which means because that means that the offense leaving points out there. It's exactly what Atlanta is doing this year. They did it yesterday, and then yesterday was no different. They they left so many points out there. They 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 probably should have won this game. Uh, Atlanta's defense. You know, held their own against Taysom Hill, who's not a threat passing it. Uh, you know, going into that game, he had four rushing touchdowns, no passing touchdowns. Ended up getting two yesterday. Uh, but, yeah, Atlanta really should have won this game. Matt Ryan, I, I don't know what's up with him, quarterback for the Falcons. He's good, but then there's games where he just is so bad. And there's already been news. The owners come out for Atlanta and said that he he might. there's no guarantees that he's back next year. Um, and yeah, I, I wonder if his time is done. Uh, you know, he was under pressure yesterday a little bit, but there were just times where he made horrendous throws, bad reads, you know, overthrows, things like that. He didn't even complete 50% of his passes yesterday. Uh, it was rough. Um, again, the Saints win without Drew Brees. It's solid. And they clinched their playoff spot yesterday. They will be in the playoffs. So yeah. My Super Bowl favorite before the season started, they're 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 playing really well. And then once Drew Brees gets back in there, could be, I think, not this weekend, but the week after in that Chiefs matchup. Uh, so, yeah, he, uh, you know, Saints look good right now. The defense is playing out of their skin. They're playing really well. All right. The Cleveland Browns, they beat the Titans on the road 41 to 35. The score makes it seem like it was closer. This was a stomp. Cleveland was up. 38-7 to at half, and they just went into cruise control. Let me start by saying this, all right? I've been very critical of him, but Baker Mayfield, he played great yesterday, okay? It was a game that he had to go out there and perform. He had to do it. Shut his critics up, and he did, all right? 25-33 for 334 yards, four touchdowns, okay? I don't want to take anything away from Mayfield yesterday. He was outstanding. However... <laughs> I do. This is just great coaching by Kevin Stefanski, and I want to give him a ton of credit here. His first, he's come in to Cleveland in his first year, and he's done a tremendous job with Baker in the offense. Again, I don't. I, I he played great. I don't want to take anything away from Baker Mayfield. I really don't. But Stefanski does this, like he's been doing it all year. And take notes, Matt Nagy. Okay, this is what you're supposed to do. Like, you don't try to mold a player into the shape you want. You take the player that you have and you play to their strengths, which is exactly what Stefanski's done all year. Uh, you know, th their game plan for Cleveland has been, it's very simple. We run the ball well. And that sets up Baker Mayfield. Like That sets up Baker Mayfield. You know, we run play action. We move the pocket. You know, we don't have him stand in the, stand in the pocket. We, we move it around. We shift the line left and right. You know, we run trick plays. We do things like that. And that allows Baker to succeed. Where it's like with the Bears. Last point about the Bears. I'm so sorry. Uh, where, like, with Foles, they weren't trying to help him out. Same with Trubisky. They weren't playing to, playing to, playing to Trubisky's strength, which is getting him out on the edge, moving the pocket, play action, things like that. Part of it is because they can't run the ball, but, you know, the other part is, like, Matt Nagy just being stubborn, like, my way or the highway. And Stefanski is not that. He's like, this is my quarterback, and these are his strengths. So what do we have to do in order to make him succeed? We got to do this, this, and that. And they've done all of it. So, yeah, Baker was good yesterday, but, but Stefanski sets him up to succeed. Or right? he doesn't put him in situations where he's going to fail. Mayfield made some great throws yesterday. He had a long pass to Donovan Peoples-Jones, the rookie. Uh, you know, a lot of people missed that deep shot. He hit it. He had a nice touchdown pass to Rashad Higgins. A lot of it, though, was just dink and dunk down the field. But he, he got it done. It was a game that he had to go out there and play well, and he did. All right? He, he was outstanding. His best game all year. Now, do I think that long-term Baker Mayfield is a guy? No. I still don't think that he is a guy. I still think that they're probably going to lose their next two games. At the, They play Baltimore next, and then they play the Steelers. I think that they're going to lose both of those games. 
but that Tennessee Titan win was huge because now the Browns are 9-3. and three. They have their first winning record since 2007. And because they're 9-3, and three, it looks like they're going to make the playoffs now for the first time in 18 years. So, good job, Baker. Better job, Kevin Stefanski. Um, and yeah, go Browns, nine and three. The, the team I root for. I've always, I've always had a soft spot for Cleveland. So yeah, go Browns. Long term, I don't think Baker's the answer, but good win for them. And I'm rooting for Baker. All right, he's against the odds. I want him to succeed. It's not like I hate Baker. I think his commercials are great too. Um, he's got a chip on his shoulder, which I like. I just don't think for the city of Cleveland, for the football team, long term, he's the guy. But anyways, great win. Let's real quick touch on Tennessee. They just couldn't get out of the blocks in this one. That was my one concern going into this game, is that if they start slow and don't put pressure on Mayfield and the Browns are able to establish their running game early, that they could lose. Well, unfortunately, uh, the Titans' defense just couldn't – I mean, they, they contained the run. They actually did a pretty good job against Nick Chubb, uh, but they're, they, they cannot generate a pass rush. That's their biggest issue. And Cleveland's got a great offensive line, and Baker was able to just stand stand back there and pick them apart. That's exactly what happened. So, yeah, it was rough. Um, they actually had a chance, even though they were down so many points, they had a chance late third quarter to cut it to a two-score game. Um, and then unfortunately, Adam Humphreys, their wide receiver who's been out for out for a couple weeks now, he came back and um, he dropped – he, he – uh, Dropped this pass to Tannehill through on the money, and it got picked off. And that was essentially the game right there. A uh, ton of drops by the Tennessee offense yesterday. That was a really, really awful. Corey Davis continues to have an amazing season. Uh, he was outstanding. A.J. Brown looked good as well. He needs more touches. Um, Derrick Henry, he fumbled for the first time in a long time. Just sloppy by Tennessee. They had strung together two really big, important games uh, again, they have the firepower to compete on offense. They just could not. They, they started so slow. It was just so hard to play back, and their defense stinks. Uh, it, it's it's really concerning. I think that Tennessee has to play with a lead. If they That's my main issue. If they, if they don't have a lead, then it's just too much pressure on their defense to get stop after stop. They just can't do it, especially with the Davian Clowney being, I think, done for the year now. Uh, they just cannot generate a pass rush at all. That's their biggest issue. So they got to get more creative, maybe send some blitzes, something that Seattle does, even though they kind of have a pass rush now in Seattle. Uh, they send Jamal Adams a lot on blitzes, and maybe they do that with some of their um, corners or their linebackers, but they got to find a way to get after the quarterback because it was just too easy for Baker yesterday. The Dolphins fins up, baby. They beat the Bengals 19-7. to it is now 18 straight games. The Dolphins' defense is forced to turnover. They got a couple yesterday. Uh, they also the, the offense also they took the training wheels off of Tua, the rookie quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa. In the first half, he had like 10 passing attempts. He finished the game 26 of 39, almost 300 yards passing and a touchdown. Uh, it was good. He looked solid back there. He looks like he's coming into his own. Uh, they sit at eight and four right now. Brian Flores has done a great job second year. Again, we got a lot of young. Um, well, Young is in their um, tenure, um, head coaches, right? Uh, second year head coach in Flores. We got Stefanski. We got another head coach, Joe Judge, we're going to talk about in a little bit, uh, that have done outstanding jobs. He, um, if the Dolphins are able to make the playoffs here, it's going to be kind of, it's going to be tough. They're eight and four. Um, their last four games, this might be the toughest schedule left. They play the Chiefs next week, then the Patriots at the Raiders, and then at the Bills. That week 17 game could be for the division. If Brian Flores is able to go, you know, three out of four here, win three out of the four, get, you know, maybe 11 and five or 10 and six, uh, he, he should be in consideration for coach of the year. Uh, he, he has done an ec excellent job. And so, yeah, I'm rooting for him, but who knows? Oh, real quick with the Bengals, um, you know, they fight. W what can I say? I th uh, without Joe Burrow, it's just tough, man. Uh, their quarterback, Allen, he's just not good. So, yeah. Speaking of the Raiders, they escaped the Jets to win 31-28. to So as I'm recording this, uh, if you haven't seen this play, uh, the Jets are up four with no time left. The Raiders are at midfield. 
Uh, the defensive coordinator, Greg Williams, who has since been fired since I'm recording this, uh, he sends an all-out blitz, uh, which leaves cornerback Lamar Jackson, not the quarterback for the Ravens, but the cornerback for the Jets. He's an undrafted rookie. He leaves him all alone with another rookie for the Raiders, Henry Ruggs, a wide receiver, who was drafted in the first round and is one of the fastest players in the league, leaves him on an island, and Carr evades the blitz, steps up and fires down the field. Wide open Henry Ruggs just runs by Lamar Jackson and, and scores a game-winning touchdown. It was just typical Jens nonsense. Now, I thought this was intentional. Like I thought this maybe came from upstairs because this is a horrendous play call to send the house and leave your corners out one um leave your corners one on one down the field. It's absurd. All right. Um I like sending pressure, but not the house. They they rush seven guys, basically. Um, and I like rushing five to put, you know, maybe like rush four and then have a quarterback spy. Because it, when you just rush three and you allow you allow the quarterback to just stand back there and like chuck a Hail Mary, like I don't like that because then anything can happen. I think you have to put pressure on the quarterback. Something that the Bills did against Arizona, it just didn't work out for them because Kyler Murray evaded the pressure. Similar thing here, I guess but he brought too many people on the blitz. But I, it looked like it was intentional because if the jets win this game, they're tied with Jacksonville and that's not what you want because you, you, you want them. They want Trevor Lawrence. They want the first, they want the number one pick in the draft. So it looked intentional, but it's, it's just a horrible call. And then, yeah, like I said, this morning, Greg Williams got fired, the defensive coordinator Uh, jets players after the game were very frustrated by the call there's there's um, I think it was their safety. Marcus May talked about how they're not doing them any favors, things like that. It feels like the coaching staff let us down. So, yeah, nobody wants to go all in 16. No one wants that on their resume. Right. I, and I just feel bad for the coaching. I feel bad for the players, um, especially here, um, particularly Frank Gore, who, you know, former Niner. He's been bouncing around the league. He's just, you know, he's. <laughs> He's just father time out there. He just will not quit. Um, he got injured to start the game, which stinks. Uh, but but yeah, it's just typical Jets nonsense. But it was it was on the positive side. It actually is good that they lost because uh, you know they're one game behind Jacksonville right now, and so they want to try to keep that number one pick, draft Trevor Lawrence. That's the plan that they're gonna do. So yeah, uh, say what you want about the hail mary though with the Jets. Because they had chances to win this game. They just had no answer for Darren Waller, the walrus. Goo goo choob tight end for the Raiders. 13 catches for 200 yards and two tutties. He was outstanding. So, yeah, um, this was, a, I don't know. I'm not going to say it's a good win for the Raiders, but it was a win that they had to have. They've been very sloppy their last two games out. Ever since that loss to Kansas City, their last two games have uh, been really rough. So, it doesn't get easier. Next week, they got the Colts, so we'll see how they look then. The Minnesota Vikings, they moved to 6-6. Six and six to beat. Uh, they beat the Jags in overtime, 27-24. Uh, Minnesota's not playing well right now. <laughs> like um, It's been sloppy, but they keep finding ways to win. They're sweeping out the victories, and that's what good teams do. Uh, the defense has been playing better every week. They forced four turnovers in this one. They had a couple sacks. Kirk Cousins had a nice day again, over 300 yards passing. Adam Thielen came back, scored a touchdown. Dalvin Cook, late in this game, he put the team on his back. He had 32 carries, 32 of them for 120 yards. I do want to tip the cap, though, to the Jaguars. They're playing hard, man. They've, they've really been competitive these last few weeks. Uh, they uh, were two-point conversion away last week against the Browns from taking that game to overtime. They took this one to overtime by converting a two-point conversion. Mike Glennon has looked good, the veteran guy. Uh, he's come in there, and he's, you know, they've done a job. The offense has really been able to move the ball this year um, consistently. They've been able to do it. And so, yeah, uh, you know, they only have one win. They probably deserve maybe two or three. Uh, but, yeah, they, they've, uh, they, they have not quit. They've been – playing tough all year a guy i want to shout out again i've talked about him a bunch this year but their rookie running back james robinson this guy's a stud 
over 100 total yards and a touchdown in this one. Undrafted out Illinois State. You love stories like this. This um, Robinson got his opportunity and he's made the most of it. So, you know, Jacksonville, I don't know what you're, you're going to do long term. I think you need a quarterback. Uh, but maybe you take, oh my gosh, why am I blanking on his name? The kid from Ohio State. Uh, oh my, why am I blanking on his name? Is it, it, it oh my goodness. Oh, I, I have to look it up. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, by the way, speaking of uh, Ohio State and freaking Michigan, Justin Fields, by the way. Maybe you take Justin Fields with your, with the second pick overall in the draft. I don't know. Uh, speaking of Ohio State real quick and Michigan and Jim Harbaugh with his uh, nonsense this year. So I am a Michigan fan. I got, uh, you know, I uh, got an uncle who lives in Michigan. He went to Michigan. He wrestled there. I've been to the big house with my buddy. Um, it was an awesome environment. I met Denard Robinson there when he was the guy. It was really cool. I got a picture with him and a couple other uh, solid Michigan players. So, yeah. And, obviously, Harbaugh was the Niners coach, so I love Harbaugh. And so when he went to Michigan, I was like, hell, yeah. But uh, this year they've been terrible. They barely escaped by Rutgers a couple weeks ago. And then now against Ohio State, they open – as a 30-point underdog. That is right. Ohio State is favored by 30 points against Michigan. And you know what? (laughs) I don't think that Michigan can cover the 30 points. They've been so bad. But yeah, let's let's move back to the NFL here. Uh, Let's talk about the Colts. They hold on to beat the Texans 26-20. This is a weird game. Only two points scored in the second half. Crazy. Uh, the Texans had a chance, though, to, to win this game. They had second and goal with a minute and a half to play. Unfortunately, the center had a low snap back to Watson, who couldn't handle it. It was low. It was down to his left. Uh, the Col- and, you know, so he couldn't handle it. It was on the ground. The Colts recovered, and that was enough to win the game. ton of key players on defense came back for the Colts, and it showed. They forced two turnovers, had a safety as well, along with five sacks. They were great. Again, this game should not have been this close. It, it felt like Indianapolis was dominating this game. Rivers, again, had a solid day at the office, 300 yards passing, two touchdowns. The rookie running back, Jonathan Taylor, had 130 total yards and a touchdown. T.Y. Hilton, wide receiver, who I thought was going to have a huge year. It hasn't really happened, but now he's coming into his own. He's starting to get involved. He had over 100 yards receiving and a touchdown. It was weird. It should not have been this close. It, um Again, only two points scored in the second half, and that was a safety. I don't get it. Two things that the Colts have to get better at at offense, converting on third down and scoring touchdowns in the red zone. They are awful in both of these categories, and in order for them to to make some noise in the playoffs, they have to get better here, and they, they got to do it quickly. The Patriots, oh, man. All right. I'm going to, I need to, okay, let me take a breath here. Let me take a breath. Okay. The Patriots beat the Chargers 45-0. They boat raced them. As of this, as of the end of this episode, I'm done talking about the Chargers too, okay? I can't do it. I can't talk about the Bears and Chargers. They make me too angry, too frustrated. I can't consistently do it. All right. So I'm done after this day. All right. So on Friday, I called this. Everything I said that would happen Friday came true. Belichick is great against young quarterbacks. He's always been great against young quarterbacks. He's a great defensive coach. He knows what he's doing. So yeah, Justin Herbert struggled for the Chargers, but the team did not do him any favors. And that's what's so infuriating about this team about this loss about everything herbert had to throw 53 times i mean to ask your rookie quarterback to go out there and sling it 53 times you're just asking for trouble he can't like that's just too much pressure you can't expect him to go out there and do that against the patriots but he has to go out there and do that because you're down by a billion and why are you down by a billion Because you have the worst special teams unit in the NFL. In the first half alone, missed field goal by by Michael Badgley. The money badger, which he named himself. Well, he hasn't been money at all. He's been jack shit this year. He's missed nine field goals. I think he's missed about four or five extra points. He's been horrendous. 
So you got that. Missed field goal to start off the game. Give the Patriots a short field. Then they score another touchdown to go up 14-0. Then, after that, you give up a punt return for a touchdown. After firing your special teams coordinator or relocating him next week, or last week, excuse me, then you come out this week and you look even worse. So you give up a punt return for a touchdown, and then right before half, you're trying to get some points on the board. Herbert gets you into field goal range to make it 21-3, and then maybe, you know, you get the ball to start the second half. Maybe you can come back, you know, have a couple good drives, you know, maybe cut it to a one-score, maybe a two-score game, maybe cut it to ten points. But no, the field goal gets blocked. It gets picked up by a McCordy brother, and they return it to the house for a touchdown. So a 10-point swing. It's now 28-0. Game's over. It's just, it's so infuriating. I don't understand. Because you look at the Patriots' offense, and they're not good. Like, they just find ways to win. Cam Newton only had 70 yards passing. 70, that's it. He only had 12 completions. He only threw the ball 19 times. Like, Patriots only had 290 yards of offense. You would have thought by the scoreline, like, wow, Cam Newton must have balled out. Absolutely not. He hasn't done anything passing the ball since the since the like the Seattle game in like week two. He hasn't done anything. So yeah, considering that, you know, they didn't have that. They had no offense, basically. I, I just don't understand. You put up a bagel at home, you don't score any points. Blame Herbert if you want to. But I mean I don't know how any of these problems, special teams, offensive coordinator, I don't know anything, how anything is not addressed at all. There was no adjustments made at halftime in the slightest by Anthony Lynn, the head coach, or any of the coaching staff. Like, where's the accountability? Where's, like, the fight? Where's the heart? There's none of that. And so, yeah, blame Herbert for having a tough game, you know, if you want. Because he did not play great. But you got a rookie quarterback now. Who's gonna be a franchise quarterback? He's he's sensational. This guy is great. He looks so comfortable in the pocket early on in that game. He's not afraid to sling it. He's got ice in his veins. He's competed against Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. He's gone toe-to-toe with these guys this year. He's up against one of the best defensive minds in the NFL and Bill Belichick, who makes every young quarterback look silly. He's done it all. He's like, I think lifetime he's he has like He's lost maybe five times to a, to a rookie quarterback or an inexperienced or a young quarterback. He's sensational against them. He's one of the best defensive minds in the NFL. And Anthony Lynn and this coaching staff decide that we're not going to give our quarterback, Justin Herbert, any support. Like a lamb to the slaughter. That was what, that's what happened yesterday. I mean, how you, 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 53 times, you expect him to go out there and sling it 53 times? You only run the ball 15 times? I don't care if you're down 60. You can't run the ball only 15 times. It's absurd. You can't do it. You make egregious mistakes on special teams. And then you and then you expect Herbert, like, oh, yeah, bail us out. And then you have, like, the nerve to be like, well, he didn't play his best game. And then you got to have – and then he has to go out there – after the game, go out to the podium and explain what happened. Like, new face of your franchise has to take all the heat. It's awful. It's unfair. It's too much pressure to put on him, and he's he's gone above and beyond that pressure. He's exceeded expectations, and it's just it's ridiculous. It's a shit show, and you gotta you, you gotta get everybody out. Like, you shouldn't take this team seriously, like at all. Until they didn't get rid of this coaching staff. Everybody has to go. The entire coaching staff. The GM, Tom Telesco, I think he's done a great... Tom Telesco, I think he's done a great job. He's been there forever. Have him go... Have him talk to Dean Spanos and try to bring in one of these coaches. one Like a new head coach. Like maybe bring in... I don't know who you're going to bring in, man. Lincoln Riley, that'd be cool. Bring him in from college scene. You need somebody in there that's going to establish a new culture, that's going to get the best out of his players, and just turn things around. I'm sick of this, man. I'm done talking about the Chargers and the Bears. They both stink, and it's awful. I can't expect. I, I can't explain how bad they are. They have a plethora of talent, 
and they just can't they they just lose games like this and it's humiliating so yeah i'm sorry anthony lynn you seem like a great guy i was excited when you got there best of luck in the future but you gotta go along with the rest of the coaching staff it's absurd okay the packers they beat the eagles 30 to 16 Congratulations to Aaron Rodgers. He threw his 400th career touchdown pass to Devontae Adams. It's a weird celebration. Devontae Adams like got on his knees. Looked like he was proposing to Rodgers. It was very weird. Uh, but, yeah, 400th career touchdown pass. Uh, it's great. He was saying he wants to get to 500 before he throws 100 interceptions. So, yeah, good on you, Aaron. Again, this is like his his farewell tour, and he's been killing it. Uh, when you have AAA in Green Bay, you have a chance. They were all great yesterday. Aaron Rodgers, almost 300 yards passing, three touchdowns. Aaron Jones, 130 yards and a touchdown. Devontae Adams had 10 receptions for 120 yards and two touchdowns. He is so freaking good. It's insane. Uh, the story in this one, though, Carson Wentz got benched for Jalen Hurts in the third quarter. Remember, Hurts was the second-round pick that the Eagles made in this year's draft. Uh, he made some solid throws yesterday. He had a great one down the sideline to Jalen Rager, and then his first touchdown pass of his career came um, on a fourth and 18 play. He rolled to his right and hit and had an absolute dime in the end zone to Greg Ward. Uh, so it was great. You know, like he looked good out there. Uh, last week I talked about the Eagles a lot uh, after their uh, Sunday. What, what game was that? Was that a Monday night game against Seattle? Uh, yeah, I talked about them a lot against Seattle where I think that um, if I was running the Eagles, my suggestion was to fire their head coach and their GM and then keep Wentz, because I believe that Wentz can still be a franchise quarterback. And there's there's other situations, um, situations that have happened this year in Philly that have not allowed him to succeed. But the reality of the situation is that Wentz is done in Philly. You know, like, just because I would do it, you know, if I was running, doesn't mean that's, that's what's going to happen. So now I think that the writing's on the wall and that Carson Wentz is gonna is done in Philly and they're gonna go with Jalen Hurts long term. They're gonna try to see if he can be the guy. Um I still think that Carson Wentz can be a franchise quarterback. I believe in that. Like last week I said it was a hill I'm willing to die on. I think that he can be the guy. I think he's too talented. Um I think there's a lot of promise, but there's been very unfortunate situations in Philly these past few years. Um but he can't do it in Philly. He cannot do it with the Eagles. He needs a change of scenery. Between, you know, um, the injuries there, you got the Nick Foles statue, right, the Super Bowl run, and then you you go and stab him in the back by drafting Jalen Hurts in the second round. Uh, it's just, you know, the mental the mental space uh, is, you know, like, we don't think about it a, not, a lot, right? We just we think about what we see on the field. The physical aspect. We don't think about like the behind the scenes, um, the mental strain that this all this nonsense is probably causing Carson Wentz. So I think he's got to get out of there. And so if I'm if I'm Doug Peterson and I'm, I'm the, the Eagles right now, I sit Carson Wentz down for the rest of the year. I go with the rookie Hurts, and I look to shop Carson because there's going to be teams who are interested. And so that's that's the plan is Philly. Uh, it sucks, though, because you paid him a bazillion dollars, but I, it's just done. Um, he, it's just it's like Sam Darnold with the Jets, where like he just need, like you just need a new change of scenery. Like same with Ryan Tannehill, right? Where you look at him and he got out of Miami and look, he's he, you know he's playing really well right now. So yeah, I, it's just done, and it's it's done with the Eagles. They got to start, you know, they got to re. It's not really like a rebuild, but they got to like retool things, and so yeah. Um, you just got to eat, you got to bite the check, man. You got to eat that fat amount of money that you paid once. But long-term, I think for your team, it makes sense to do it. The Rams, they beat the Cardinals 38-28. to This is a must-win game for the Rams, in my opinion, and they got it done. Sean McVay just has Arizona's number. It, uh, there's this, like, weird, um, like, chain of events or like slash like Venn diagram that might be the wrong term for it. Uh, but like the NFC West has this like weird, um, like is maybe like a system where it's like the Rams beat the Cardinals. The car, the Rams always beat the Cardinals. The Cardinals always beat Seattle. Seattle always beats the Niners and the Niners always beat the Rams. So I don't know if that's like a Venn diagram or like a, 
like this team is greater than this team and greater than this, this team and then greater than this team. I don't know what it is, but that that like circle always happens. Rams always beat the Cardinals. Cardinals always beat Seattle. Seattle always beats the Niners. And the Niners always beat the Rams. So that always happens. But let's talk about this game. So when Jared Goff is comfortable, quarterback for the Rams, when he is comfortable, he succeeds. When he when he's not under pressure, when he doesn't have to run for his life, when he can't get after the when he can't get after him, he is great. 37 of 47 in this one, 351 yards and a touchdown. Once again, love the weapons that the Rams have. We know about Cooper Cup. We know about Robert Woods, two very talented wide receivers. But they're running backs, man. They are fantastic. So Daryl Henderson in this one, he had a long touchdown run. But the rookie, Cam Akers, is coming into his own. He is so explosive. He gives his team a shot of adrenaline. He was the workhorse in this one, had 21 carries for about 70 yards and a touchdown. He was great. Uh, don't forget about Malcolm Brown as well. He just wasn't um, – he didn't get a lot of touches in this game. Only three carries. Uh, but, yeah, love that the weapons they have on offense. Really do. Uh, the, the defense also for the Rams is great. They were great again. Aaron Donald, people were saying that he wasn't having a great year, uh, you know, because he didn't have a lot of tackles, things like that. Well, those people are morons. I don't know what you're watching. This guy gets double teamed or triple teamed every time he's on the field, and he still makes plays. He got a sack yesterday, and he now has 11 on the season, which leads the league. I mean, he is, he is outstanding. He's the best defensive player in the NFL, probably one of the best defensive linemen of all time. I mean, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's he's incredible, man. He's there's so much he does for the Rams and that defense. He's out. He, I don't have words, man. I'm running out of I'm running out of adjectives for Aaron Donald. He's just out. He, he's incredible. He's godlike. He's a god among men. He's he's in, he's in, I don't know. I'm I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm speechless. I don't know what to say. Let's talk Arizona though a little bit because Kyler Murray. He. I think he's hurt. He has to be hurt. So during that Buffalo game, he uh, he he hurt his shoulder, and I think that he's still working through that. He hasn't been running as much as he normally has. He was very inaccurate on some deep throws yesterday. Twenty-one of thirty-nine for only one hundred and seventy-three yards passing. Part of it was the Rams' defense and their very talented secondary, but it's not everything. I don't think he's one hundred percent. Um, the Cardinals now have, lo- have have now lost three straight, and they were a hail mary away from losing four. So uh, they've over they've overperformed this year, in my opinion. Uh, they're very similar to the Raiders, where I think that those teams are a couple pieces away from really taking that next step. So yeah, they still have a chance to make the playoffs, but it doesn't get easier. Uh, you know, they they still have a couple games in division left, and then next week they take on a really solid team. That's won four games in a row now. They're playing some great football. The G-Men. That's right. The New York Giants. They upset the Seahawks. They won 17-12. How about that transition? Pretty good, right? Uh, Real quick before I get into the breakdown here. If you're the owner, this is the last point about the Chargers and the Bears, all right? If you're the owner of the Bears or the Chargers, you know, if you're like an executive or the GM, and you watch this game, you should fire your head coach immediately. Like you should fire Nagy, you should fire Anthony Lynn. Either immediately or by the end of the season. Because when you have a, a rookie head coach in Joe Judge, he comes into Seattle with a Giants team that is nowhere near as talented as the Chargers or the Bears. No Saquon Barkley. Defensive injuries. You know, defensive injuries. They had a couple of key guys on the defensive side out. With a backup quarterback, Colt McCoy. No Daniel Jones, right? And they go into Seattle and beat them on the road. I guarantee you that if the Bears played Seattle in Seattle, or if the Chargers played Seattle in Seattle, they would lose that game by a billion. And so, yeah, tip of the cap to Joe Judge here. But, I mean, oh, my God. Like, it's just absurd, man. I don't know. It's coaching. Say what you want about the Bears' defense yesterday. Say what you want about maybe Justin Herbert not playing well or the special teams unit. At the end of the day, 
it comes down to the head coach, and they are not instilling confidence or getting the most out of their players. And that's exactly what Joe Judge is doing, and that's what he did yesterday. This Giants defense, by the way, is for real. You might not have watched them yesterday. Hopefully you watched this game yesterday if you watched any football because this Giants defense so talented. They are solid everywhere. Let me start with their linebacker, Blake Martinez, which is the signing of the offseason um, in the NFL. The Giants got him from the Packers. I cannot believe Green Bay let him go. He is fourth right now in the league in tackles. He has over 100. Uh, their corner, James Bad- Bradbury, another great signing from them. He was on the Panthers a couple years ago, and then he's now been great. He was locked. He's been locked down all year. He uh, drew the unfortunate matchup with DK Metcalf, and he contained him. Metcalf only had 80 yards on five catches. I mean, he he did a good job. There's a play that happened in this game where Bradbury got stiff-armed to the ground by Metcalf. But, man, who cares? He brought him to the ground. That guy's a beast. So, yeah, a tip of the – I mean, Bradbury was excellent. The hero for the Giants yesterday, though, their defensive end, Leonard Williams. This guy was everywhere yesterday. Two and a half sacks for him, one of which was on Seattle's last drive. They're trying to come back. They needed a touchdown. Um, they sacked, he sacked Russell Wilson on a third down that set up a fourth and 18 and the giants held on, um, and to win the game. I also want to shout out, uh, New York's offensive coordinator, Jason Garrett, former Cowboys coach. He's had a really solid season play calling for the giants. It's not pretty. It it really isn't. The giants offense is not, it's not something, you know, you want to look at for very long, but, uh, they find a way to move the ball and score touchdowns. Colt McCoy. He stepped up. Uh, it's his first win since forever. Like, it's, I, I think since, like, 2012. Something like that. He only had 100 yards passing in this one. Uh, but the Giants offense, they ran it for over 200 yards. Wayne Gallman, uh, who's really stepped up. Whenever Barkley goes down, he's he really carries the load. 16 carries for 135 yards. Alfred Morris, who they signed after Barkley went down, he also had a couple scores in this one. He caught one and ran one in. It's a great team win. Again, football is a very interesting sport because it's not how you start, it's how you finish. The season is long. You have no idea what's going to happen. And, you know, the NFC East is terrible, and it looks like the Giants are going to host a playoff game. And deservingly so with the way that they're playing right now. Um, Again, tremendous job for Joe Judge, first-year head coach, coming in. And, again, he does the opposite of what Anthony Lynn and Matt Nagy do. He gets the most out of his players. He 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 puts a belief in them. He instills he instills confidence, and they find ways to compete in every game. And then they've been able to get get some wins down the stretch. They've won four straight now. So yeah, let's shift to Seattle. Their offensive line struggled a lot in this one. Russell Wilson has definitely cooled down. He is not cooking anymore. He had two turnovers. Uh, one was a fumble. The other one was a eh, it was an, eh, it wasn't like an awful interception, but it was bad. Uh, this was a trap game for Seattle. You know, they're looking ahead a little bit. They've got some tough games down the road. You know, they're trying to win the division, things like that. I think that they thought that this Giants team was going to come in and they were going to blow them out of the water. It was going to be a cakewalk, and it was anything but. They didn't come ready to play, and they got punished. Any given Sunday, anybody can beat anybody. So that's exactly what happened. Good win for the G-Men. They play Arizona next week at home, and I'll tell you what. I like the Giants to win that game. I really do. All right, last game from yesterday, Sunday Night Football. The Chiefs, they beat the Broncos 22-16. to uh, You know, I knew the Broncos would cover the 14 points here. It was just too much. Again, last time that these two teams played, it was actually really close. Uh, but Drew Locke threw a pick six. The Chiefs had a kick return for a touchdown, and that turned it into a blowout. But, but other than that, I mean, you take those two plays out of it, Denver was right there in that game. So. I thought they would be closer, and, you know, these teams normally play each other close, and they did again. Uh, Vic Fangio, another good coach in his second year, um, he's done a great job on the defensive side of the ball, despite all of their key injuries. Uh, their defense looked great. Shelby Harris, they got him back, their defensive tackle. That guy was a monster. He had so many batted, defected, deflected passes in that game. It was great. Uh, Drew Locke, quarterback for Denver. Eh, I mean, he eh. – he, he was okay. He had a really bad interception early. First play, first drive of the game. 
where he makes a great play to, to avoid pressure, and then he just needs to hit his check down option. And he doesn't, and he goes deep, and it was such a bad mistake. And he, he threw it right to Tyron Matthew, the honey badger, and he picked him off. And it was like, ah. His second interception came late in the game. He was trying to bring the troops back. It was the, And then once again, he's picked off by Tyron Matthew to, to seal the game. So, yeah, I mean, they hung in there. The Broncos did, and they were leading at half, actually. They were up a point, 10-9. to 9. Um, But as the half, as we were getting ready for halftime there, I was realizing something about the Chiefs, and, and that's this. They are never going to be out of a game. They're always going to have a chance to win. It does not matter who they play. They're always going to have a chance. At no point in this game did you think that Kansas City was going to lose. At all. The offense wasn't playing well. Mahomes missed some throws. There was a weird play in the end zone, too, with Tyreek Hill. Uh, Mahomes took a deep shot. Hill caught it, but it looked like he dropped it in the end zone, so he just completely dropped it. And so Kansas City left to punt, but on the replay, it actually looked like it was batted up in the air, and Tyreek Hill still caught it. But Andy Reid didn't challenge it. They didn't see it. He probably asked Tyreek Hill on the sideline if he caught it. Tyreek Hill was pissed that he dropped it, so he thought that he didn't catch it. But he actually did catch it, and it just didn't get, uh, you know, and then they didn't throw the challenge flag. Kansas City punts, and so it was a missed opportunity. They left touchdowns on, they left a touchdown on the board. So, yeah, I mean, that happens. That was weird. They've also, they were also terrible in the red zone again. Back-to-back weeks now, they've been awful. Uh, they were 0 for 4 in the red zone last night. It still doesn't matter, though, because the Chiefs can just flip a switch and they can just score so easily when they have to perform. They, they, they always do. It doesn't matter, man. They, like, they, they could be down 10 points in the fourth, like, or maybe like 17 points in the fourth quarter. It doesn't matter. Like, they'll, they'll go down and score. It's just they're so dynamic on offense, you can never stop them for a whole game. On the other side of the ball, too, their defense has been really playing better than they were last year. So it helps it helps them out uh, that, you know, they don't have to be perfect. Uh, long-term, this bugs me because I think that, like, you're playing with fire and then eventually you're going to get burned. But, I mean, it, who knows? We've never seen an offense like this that can just score it at will. So, I mean, will they get burned eventually? I'd like to think so, but... I don't know, man. It might it might not ever happen. So yeah, the Chiefs win. They go to um, eleven and one, and yeah, they look they look prime, man, for a playoff run. I I just wish that they would be more consistent on offense. They should be blowing out teams, and they're not. And so they I I don't know. I mean, it, it concerns me. But again, then then again, I mean, when you have Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and all these weapons, I mean, what. Should I even be worried? Maybe not. But that is all for the games yesterday. Real quick, let's talk about the bets. So we pushed again, which sucked. Uh, it's still a win, but we'd like to, you know, get kid in the black. But, uh, yeah, so Tennessee minus 5.5, that did not hit. Uh, Miami minus 11.5, we hit that one. So Kimu, uh, Las Vegas minus 8.5, uh, that, that was a bummer. They really missed Josh Jacobs, their running back, and their safety, Jonathan Abram. They really did. Um, Indy minus three and a half. That hit uh, barely, but it did hit. Come here. Uh, the Rams minus two and a half. Easiest bet of the week. Uh, come here. And then the upset uh, bet, which I should have just stuck with the Giants. I talked myself out of that bet. I should have just stuck with it. I knew ten and a half was too many points. I still should have gone with it, but I didn't. I switched to Philly. And the Eagles would have covered if not for an Aaron Jones, like, Beast mode run down the sideline where he broke three tackles and scored a touchdown late. They would have covered the eight and a half, but they didn't. So we go three and three in the bets. Uh, we we did good on the picks this week, though. It was solid. Uh, we got two more games tonight, though. Uh, first off, we got the four and seven Washington football team taking on the 11-0 Steelers. Pittsburgh is a six and a half point favorite. Uh, speaking of upset bets, by the way, if this game was played on uh, Sunday, this would have been my pick. I like Washington to cover, to not only cover, but to win this game. I, I think that they have the potential to win. First off, the Steelers are on short, short rest. They played on Wednesday, so they only have four days rest. Whereas Washington last played on Thanksgiving. 
So they have a long, long rest, like ton of time to prepare for this game. They've been running the ball well with Al, with um, the rookie Antonio Gibson. Alex Smith is getting more comfortable coming back from his like ridic- like gruesome injury. The defense is playing really well right now too. They've had a really solid pass rush. The rookie Chase Young has been an animal. Um, they could be missing their defensive end Ryan Anderson though, and the right tackle Morgan Moses in this one. Terry McLaurin, their stud wide receiver, is going to play through an ankle injury. Um, so yeah, they 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 look they look good, and they don't have a lot of injuries out there. And then for the Steelers, they just lost Bud Dupree, their linebacker for the rest of the season. Um, they're, so they're very thin there because they also don't have Devin Bush. Uh, also, um, their corner Stephen Nelson is doubtful as well. Um, and they've had a really tough time stopping the run. Last week you saw that against the Ravens, they really did struggle. Offensively, the Steelers are also very hot and cold. It's very it's similar to the Chiefs, actually. They flip a switch where there's times where, you know, it's awful, it's horrendous, they're bad in the red zone, and then they just kind of like turn the switch on and they're able to go down the field and score like very impressive drives. The the issue though is that the Chiefs can do that a lot easier than the than the Steelers can. So yeah. I it, it looks like Washington could probably pull off the upset here. I, I'm still going to take the Steelers, though. I'm not that bold, but I could definitely see Washington competing. I The reason I'm going to stick with the Steelers, though, is because I think Mike Tomlin has done an excellent job this year. They've really had to battle through all the adversity. No team has been hit by COVID worse than the Steelers, and they haven't really even really had gotten it, which is crazy. Like they've had to, they've had to move their bye week. They now have to play on short, short rest, only four days. I mean, it's it's absurd. So like, I just trust Mike Tomlin and the Steelers defense uh, to get to really carry the carry the load in this game. And I think that the offense will do enough. But Washington could pull off the opposite here. Just don't be shocked if they do it or if it's a close game. And then the last game here. It's the actual Monday Night Football game. The 8-3 Bills are taking on the 5-6 49ers. Um, it should be in San Francisco, or should be Santa Clara, but it's not. It's in Arizona because of the corona nonsense. And get this. The Niners are favored by a point in this one. Crazy, right? Uh, we'll start with Buffalo. So they got the job done last week against the Chargers, but it was very sloppy. Josh Allen made some bad throws and decisions late in the game. Something he hasn't really done this year, um, which is one of the reasons why he's he's looked so good, is that he's really um, not tried to force the ball down the field. He'll take the check down or he'll run for a couple yards. He'll live to fight another day. But he made some bad decisions last week. Uh, wide receiver John Brown was placed on IR last week as well. They miss him a ton. This offense runs completely different when he's not in there. Um, so, yeah, they're going to miss him for the next couple weeks here. But other than that, the team is healthy. There's nobody on the injury report right now, so which is crazy, and it's great for being so late in the season. For my Niners, obviously we have injuries. Cornerback uh, Kwan Williams, he is going to be out for this game, and the other cornerback Emmanuel Mosley, he's going to be a game time decision with a hamstring problem. This is a great matchup for San Francisco. It really is. Uh, the Bills are not good at stopping the run, and what do the Niners want to do? Run the football. Our defense has also been great all year. We got Richard Sherman back last week. That's helped a lot. Uh, We've still been able to get after the quarterback despite all of our key injuries, right? No Nick Bosa, no Solomon Thomas. We had some other guys be out as in. Um, D Ford also, who looks like he's probably played his last game as a Niner. He has missed almost every game this year. Uh, But there's been one guy in particular who stepped up a lot, and that's Kerry Hyder Jr. He has seven and a half sacks on the season. He's been great. Uh, the rookie, Javon Kinlaw, has also been starting to make plays, too. He had a pick six last week. It's great. So I'm going to take my team here. I'm going to take the Niners here. If they are serious at all about making the playoffs, this is a must-win game for them tonight. Um, they would go to 6-6 six and six with four games left. It's going to be tough. Their last four games are not a cakewalk, but who knows? They are still getting healthier. You could see Jimmy G or maybe George Kittle down the stretch. They could potentially come back. Who knows? But it has to start tonight with Nick Mullins back there getting the job done. He's got his weapons back too. Debo Samuel came back last week. We saw how much of an impact he had along with Raheem Mostert. Jeff Wilson also back there at running back uh, really helped out. So we could – I think we're going to get it done. 
Um, and, and it would be a huge win considering all the obstacles they've had to face this week's face this week, relocating to Arizona because of the COVID shenanigans in Santa Clara and having essentially the quarantine out there for all of December. I mean, it would be just a, a huge morale boost and a great team win. So I'm going to take the Niner gang here to pull up the ops. Well, not, not even the upset because they're favored, but to beat a very solid Bills team at quote unquote home in Arizona. So that is, uh, that's, yeah, that, that's it for the, the Monday night preview. And that is going to be it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, if you enjoyed this one, feel free to share it with friends, family, coworkers, delivery drivers, whoever whoever you want to share it with. I appreciate the support. Um, I do apologize for the rants. <laughs> I mean, if it, it's just passion at the end of the day. Like I, I, I love football. It's my favorite sport um, to watch, and you know, I, I invest a lot of time into what you know so it is passionate and maybe maybe it feels like i'm just like a sour fan or i'm complaining but i i i I like it i think that i make it um enjoyable to listen to so yeah uh and then good news for you is that that's it i won't be talking about the bears the Chargers anymore this year so uh yeah that was the last rant of the season (laughs) tomorrow i'm going to recap these two games and talk some more sports it should be a good time have a great start to your week Go watch some sports. Let's go Niners tonight, and I will see you in the next one. Peace.